So, here we are for uh, our Lunch Poetry Podcast number three this spring. And yes, we are back again with uh, some new material. Uh, I think um, I've got one that was older, but I completely reworked it. And Mr. Chaput may or may not remember. I'm not sure I ever showed it with you. Okay. But Mr. Chaput is back to one of his favorite things of animals surviving in the wild. Yes, with a freshie, as we call them. Exactly. Poem. That's pretty rough, so that'll be good. Um, first draft, actually. I know. Yes. So it's always a bit of a risk when you share a first draft, um, you know, because people might not be interested <laughs> in the unfinished version. But I think here at the Poetry Podcast, we are interested. We in, are. In the process. Which in is the process. Why... We are all about the process. And I did hear it once, and I've already, already written my comments on this draft, but you should go ahead and start first. Read yours, and then I'll share my comments. Okay, the only backstory you need to know about this poem is that I'm obsessed with wolverines. I think they're really cool. So, this poem is called Wolverines. Wolverines, what happens when you die? Well, if you're an elk, you might be eaten by a wolverine. And this wouldn't be such a bad thing at all. Let me explain. First, it was probably winter when you succumbed to old age, the ravages of Lyme's disease, and old wounds from a decade of desperately fighting other desperate elk for love. Or was it just sex? Who can remember anyway? The heat of your last breath makes way for midnight chill to seep in and freeze you from the inside out, preserving your once frothy magnificence for the scavengers. And come they do, because up here and below zero, the line between life and death is too thin. You're too valuable to waste. It is an honor to be shredded in death by a 50-pound weasel. No one would have fought a grizzly bear for you when you were alive. It is always nice to be valued, remembered, even if it is by those who ultimately dismember us. And I love those last two lines. That that verb dismember really jumps out. Don't see that coming. Uh, yeah, so I like it for sure. Um, and uh, my comments are that I've had a second time to hear it is that I'm wondering if the opening question, what happens when you die, <clears throat> and rather than being stated at the beginning, it simply is an inference that runs throughout the poem. It's totally unnecessary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of the cool things for, I think, about writing, and maybe this is for younger writers out there, or if you are a writer, then you probably already know this. And if you don't, you should, is figure out what your own weaknesses are and work on them. So as you know, I am super barfy and tend to, early in drafts, just include stuff that is totally unnecessary. And uh, there's a lot of that in this poem, too. But that's the purpose of first drafts, too, is exactly. to put stuff in there that you know you're going to take out later. But sometimes by putting in the barfy, you know, overly expressive show of emotion, it enables you to access it anyway, to at least get at it. <clears throat> and I wouldn't be able to write poems if I didn't, if I was like, because I know I write barfy stuff, and right. I just have to write it and keep going, or I'll never finish yep. the poem, and then we cut it out later. So don't let, uh, know your weaknesses, and then write anyway. And don't let them hold you back. So this has kind of a whimsical, almost conversational tone, which yeah. you can certainly keep. Another way to experiment would be to, um, if you really pared down the language and made, made it more compact, more terse, as if to, almost like the language is as elemental as what's happening in the poem. I love that. That's great feedback. <clears throat> um, so it's, you've got some great imagery, and if it's more pared down and terse, the images would really be highlighted and come out. Uh, for example, 
Um, <clears throat> and when you address use to come, I like that addressing it, ravages of Lyme disease, wounds from a decade, other desperate health, heat of last breath, makes way for, and like this too, midnight chill, to seep the verb there, seep in, freeze inside out. Even those could be kind of almost made little fragments yeah, themselves. that's great. That's great sure. advice. Um, and then I was wondering too, if at some point, um, I was thinking about the ending, you know, perhaps you can maybe take a moment to pivot and transition to human death, how our deaths have no intrinsic value. In fact, our deaths, um, human being dies, and a human being obviously is not there to be part of nature, and then to be dismembered and recycled in food for the scavengers, for the hunters, for the raptors. We as humans like actively try to eliminate or remove ourselves from that process exactly through burial rituals or cremation right. etc so we're not even part of a natural cycle of survival that's interesting It'd be nice to pivot to that yeah great idea so, definitely explore so that. for example you've got someone who is being cremated or body stuffed in uh, a casket into a concrete line six foot ditch yeah and there to set for eternity fascinating at great expense. At great expense. I will absolutely explore that. That is such a good idea. Awesome. There you go. Thank you very much. Yes, for sure. All right. I'm excited to hear yours. So the backstory in this is on my daily walk. Um, I go down Home Street. And yep. on Home Street, uh, there used to be somebody who lived there. Um, <clears throat> who, uh, whose name I'm now forgetting, but I'll remember. Uh, who actually taught French at Tabor. Uh, he was the organist at Tabor. He taught here for many, many years. Nice. And he owned a lovely old cape on Home Street. And then his wife died. He was also the organist at the, Cong uh, the uh, Congo church, we call it, um, in the village. Um, and then his wife passed away, and I noticed after she passed, he lived by himself in the cape. The place slowly um, began uh, to yeah. go to neglect sure and then he passed away and the, the lot kind of sat there and then one day I went by the lot had been sold and that lovely old cape with all the planting stuff that, that he had done raised gone wow scrubbed clean wow purchased by somebody who then put up a mega hulking as I say in the poem hulking double gambrel wow. with a three foot with a three car garage uh, someone lives there now who's actually a Tabor graduate. Really? And it's, uh, so I often reflect back to the house that was and the house that is. Love it. And I kind of ran out of gas in the, in the conclusion. So here it is. This is called The Vacant Lot. It's a square patch of scrub grass, scraped raw by a demolition crew. From the cellar ruins, a twisted pipe protrudes like a petrified snake. A paper box angles crazily at the curb. Stuffed with last year's soggy news. It's a blight to the neighborhood. It used to be their house. The French teacher and wife, he the organist, choir master who led the white-haired, red-robed matrons of the congregational church in favorite Christian hymns. It was a modest weathered cape, nestled snugly on a tidy lot that witnessed the passing years with the comings and goings of their kids to adults to grandchildren. A wheelless scooter lies half buried in the mud. She passed a few years back. He slid into a long illness. Neglect usurped his proud lawn. 
Gangly shrubs like specters shadowed the bay window. Dead leaves like dirty scabs lay in small piles. A hulking double gambrel with three-car garage now, now crowds the lot. It's, and that's where I ended. I had I to come it. here. Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. Yeah. You, you have such great verbs. And once again, in this poem, you have great verbs. Like I loved um, the, the, the scraped raw is a, is a great scene mm-hmm. um, because I think it implies, the rawness implies pain. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of the poem. Um, I thought slid, verb slid, he slid into a long illness. I think I would keep the verbs and really emphasize those. And then I, I agree, you do, I think it's just not finished yet. Um, and I wonder if the, the transition was a little jarring. So going from dead leaves to dirty scabs, love that image, to the old house being built. Um, I almost wonder if you reverse the order. So kind of start with their story. Like what if you started with, it used to be their house, the French teacher and wife, and make mm, that the mm-hmm. first stanza. Then you can bring the scraping raw down, like and that. it'll make that transition potentially a little smoother. So maybe move that and see how that reads. Because I was a little jarred by, or I went from picturing like the house covered in dead leaves to all of a sudden trying to build the new house without that process of right. decay, exactly, and yeah, destruction. I really like it. It's got a ton of potential. I'm always blown away by that. I kind of wrote about that last week: the impermanence of human beings, like with the driveway story. Exactly, right. It's just exactly. like these things that are so important to us and really matter, mm-hmm. and they do, um, yep. they just don't last. It's true. And, and that's okay. It is, for sure. And it's a passing of time. Right. It's just that I think in Marion itself, um, I wrote another poem about another house that was really run down and derelict, and it was raised, and yeah. then another house popped up. I mean, luckily people who moved to Marion have a lot of money, and yeah. they will buy the place rather than remodel it. Even if it's in good shape, they want it the way they want it. No, just start over. And so it's also, I'm, I'm about to comment, but not too heavily, I, I don't think, on the rebuilding as a, as a sign of white privilege. It's a great, yeah, exploring that. And uh, because yeah. you don't have to live in something old, you can have it just the way you want yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Just like the way that. white privilege, I, I'm going to have it our way. I like that. Uh, and, you know, it is the cycle of life and so on. But it's also something lost, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Uh, I love soggy news, by the way. <laughs> it's a great phrase. I think that's one of the best phrases, so keep that. Um, uh, and we're, and we're, we're on for next week. We are on for next week, and uh, we should probably do some revisions, because that's what will probably be our last one. We could do revisions, or we could get into something new. Either way. Maybe both. Maybe we'll do both. <laughs> if we like really it. get our act together, we'll do both. I like it. So I think that about wraps it up for a Poetry Lunch podcast on a Thursday from the Tabor Academy campus. And uh, if you want to come visit, you certainly may. So we welcome all poets and those who simply like poetry. So that's it from here. Take care. Bye-bye. That was a good session.